from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking, and happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Later, we find out about the Best Friends Club and how it's helping area musicians during the pandemic. First up, though, Lansing Mayor Andy Shore, who has taken his lumps over diversity and civil rights issues, has appointed the city's first ever diversity officer. He is Guadalupe Ayea, 29, and a graduate of the University of Michigan, who has worked in human relations for the city of Lansing for the last five years. Guadalupe, congratulations on your new position. Uh, you're welcome. I am uh, curious uh, about how this will differ from what you have been doing and what your goals are for this new job. Yeah, so it will differ that I'll be, you know, assigned to really implement in the city the uh, Mayor's Racial Justice and Equity Alliance plan. Um, It is added duties where I, you know, I'm here to promote diversity and equity within the city um, and in helping implement that plan. Um, identifying programs and initiatives that you know will strengthen diversity within the uh, organization. So it's not really just diversity, but also you know getting those tools and you know strategies that will help um, our, our staff, our leaders and our community in, um, in you know addressing issues that they're maybe facing due to, you know, the, um, their demographic population. So uh, the plan, of course, is still in progress, as I understand it. Uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do you know, uh, is there a timetable at this point when you uh, can expect the plan on your desk? So we're hoping, you know, early next year. Um, you know, it's, as you said, it's, it's a lot going on and, um, and also it's something that we're trying to get as many voices. Um, and that's when we you know we're welcoming the community to um, to t- take the survey that we have available right now. So it's a process to getting as, as many, you know, that distributed for us to get as much input as possible. Um, so yeah, so next, you know, next year is our plan, uh, hoping towards, you know, the beginning of it. And if, if the public still wanted to participate in the survey, how, how could they do that? Yeah, so if you just search in our website for MRJEA um, or do a Google search City of Lansing MRJEA, our website should come up. And um, Valerie just posted that in our chat box. Um, so you're able to access the community survey, also videos of the community input series that we did earlier this summer um so you know they're able to access it there and we are um in the process of putting those up in at least spanish for right now and we're working to get in them in other languages all right good well let's talk a bit about uh, sort of uh, the general philosophy of diversity um what uh, what does a diverse city government look like to you Well, it's, you know, as I said, we are, I think, in a way, already are diverse because our community, our Lansing community is diverse. 
Um, so definitely, you know, being uh, inclusive of all races, color, uh, gender, um, you know, sexual orientation. So, you know, being able to, you know, create an inclusive environment where all of them feel comfortable to strive and don't feel that they're being discriminated or that they're being held back. What is the most important part of this? Is it uh, hiring? Is it uh, training uh, people in what in what diversity means? Or where does it start? It really is something that you know. Right now, we're we're looking at where that's you know we're doing an external, but also in an internal scan and seeing where you know we are where we're struggling. So um, I can't really pinpoint what is it that, you know, we're struggling with right now. Um, but in, in the community, we see that it's, you know, um, that that's just something that happens because of, you know, uh, lack of resources or language barriers, um, inability to, to pursue higher education. So um, it really can be in, different areas, uh, but as of right now, the city is doing, you know, a scan to determine where um, our employees and where our community needs the assistance. So, uh, it, it, what, as a diversity officer, is, is your role limited to diversity within the city government? I'm, I'm also hearing about, we have a diverse community. Do you, is there some outreach part of this that, uh, uh, beyond? Yeah. 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 So th this plan um, that we're developing is, you know, something that will assist us within City Hall, but also with the community. And, um, you know, if you see the survey, we're asking not just, you know, um, we're asking about how people feel living, working, um, in, in the city of Lansing. So it's something that we're trying to create to, to assist us in um, developing something that can help, you know, our community, our city as a whole. You're listening to City Pulse here on 89FM, The Impact. Let's get back to my interview with the city of Lansing's first ever diversity officer, Guadalupe Ayea, who was appointed last week by Lansing Mayor Andy Shore. Can you give any example for of how the outreach might work uh, in a particular instance? Um, well, I can't give you a, like a something how it will work as we you know we don't have a plan set right now or we're still in the process of collecting the data. Um, so I don't think I can give you a specific example of how, but. You know, I think language um, is something really common. So maybe, um, maybe implementing like language access, where um, we're able to, you know, have any individual with any uh, knowing any language be able to access a certain resource. I see. So someone who say speaks um, Spanish as their first language, mm -hmm. perhaps the website needs to be in Spanish as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Now, it, it, looking at this, the makeup of the uh, uh, city employees, uh, are there standards you already use to make sure it's a, diverse uh, or are we really starting from scratch in terms of hiring? 
Um, that is something that I, I don't know much of right now. Um, it is something, you know, um, I'm not, I, it's something that I will be, you know, working on with directly with uh, HR. And it's not something I can't really answer for you correctly, as I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. an expert on that right now. What do you have, do you bring to this a sort of, here's what I believe diversity looks like within a, a group of employees. Uh, uh, do you have some sort of general outlook on that? Wait, sorry, can you repeat that? Well, uh, do, do, you, uh, do you come to the position, into this position with uh, certain ideas? This is what diversity should look like in a, uh, within a department, for example. Do, do I have like a, sorry, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, well, I mean, for example, the city of Lansing is about 20% black. Does mm -hmm. that mean that roughly speaking, uh, city employees, 20% uh, of city employees should be African American? Well, it really is depending on, you know, um, where we find like the need. It's not really, um, should it be that? It's like, you know, um, are we providing, we are an equal employment equal employee opportunity uh, organization. So it's really whoever we, um, we're trying to uh, facilitate that where whoever uh, needs the assistance in um, in pursuing a, like employment, you know, they're they're able to to obtain it. So it's not really, you know, how much of it should be black, how much should it be Latino. It's really um, trying to uh, equal the field. And. Uh... I know as a very small businessman that uh, hard as I may try to have uh, to hire uh, uh, people uh, with diversity in mind, that it can be difficult because we're in such a small market. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking for say a special, someone specialized in that they may have a journalism degree. Uh, and uh, in a city the size of Lansing, it, it's uh, hard to, say, hire a Black reporter. It, does the city of Lansing face those same sort of challenges to maintain a diverse, uh, a diverse um, employee uh, group? Uh, because uh, people tend to go to bigger cities uh, where, uh, with their skills. Yeah, I mean, as you said it, you've, you know, your business has had the difficulty to do so. So I think a lot of uh, organizations are, are struggling within the city. And that's what we're trying to, you know, to kind of not a six, but like, like uh, examine and seeing how we can, you know, um, erase that difficulty, not just within the city, but also um, throughout the city. Um, and that's why, you know, we're asking, you know, the public to and the community to uh, help us, you know, with this work and giving us, you know, their recommendations or their input on, you know, how we can um, assist with that. Finally, I wanted to ask you about your your general experiences in Lansing. Are, are you from here uh, originally? So I was born in California, grew up in El Salvador, and uh, came to Michigan, uh, Lansing, Michigan, uh, about 21 years ago. 
no. so when I was like around in like third grade. So I've been here in the city since, except for when I, in my college, um, decided to come back to the city uh, because this is what I consider my home, where my family lives and where I started my family. What is your impression of the city of Lansing in terms of diversity? Not that city government, but just your mm -hmm. experience growing up here and living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like Lansing is very diverse. Um, there's a, a huge immigration and refugee population. And um, I, I love it uh, because I, you know, I, I feel comfortable and I've been able to get, um, you know, be still celebrate my culture. You know, I go to Christa Ray Church and for the last 21 years that I've been here, we've always been and um, I feel comfortable, um, you know, um, there and, you know, expressing my religion and my culture and celebrating it. So um, I've, yeah, I love Lansing. I mean, it, it is a very diverse city. Uh, does that imply you think it's that uh, minorities are generally accepted in this community? Uh, uh, being diverse is one thing, but <laughs> being accepted is another thing. I mean, I feel like throughout our country, um, it we can get various um, reactions, you know, interactions with people. I've had my own where I uh, I have been discriminated in the streets for speaking English with my family. And at that time, I did not know much English. I was still little and, you know, just walking around with my mom, uh, waiting for a bus. And the person behind us said, you know, stop speaking Spanish. You're in America, speak English. Um, I understood enough where he said that and, you know, we were left blank into not knowing how to respond. Um, and my mom feeling, you know, um, saddened that she was the adult in that situation and she couldn't, you know, respond as well. So, yeah, yeah so we, you know, it's people are there where, you know, they they're not accepting. But overall, I feel that our community is welcoming. Um, and uh, there is, you know, place for us to, you know, live and, you know, grow. that's, as I said, you know, this is where I live. This is where I have my home, where um, my children are growing up. So, so, yeah. Very good. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. And I wish you uh, the very best with the new position. And hopefully we can check in with you uh, after, uh, uh, after you have started implementing the um, action plan to see how it's going. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. This is City Pulse on 88.9 WDBM-FM. I'm Burl Schwartz. Arts Editor Skylar Ashley spoke with Lansing musician Tommy McCord about his work with Best Friends Club, a Facebook group dedicated to live streaming local music while concert venues remain shut down due to the pandemic. So I want to talk about uh, Best Friends Club and um, your involvement and GTG's involvement in it. For anybody that might read this and is completely unfamiliar with the idea, why don't you just describe what Best Friends Club is? The basic idea of it is, um, is, a, is a space where um, we, we book um, musicians to perform live stream sets. So it's in an organized fashion like, like a proper venue. And um, and we so are the the thought being that um, 
the other musicians from this, which they're guys from the band um, Hobby out in New Jersey, that you know, people that have followed our band will think that, oh, you know, these guys, um, they know other good bands. So um, so uh, a, uh, a live stream show curated by them should hopefully be pretty good, too. Um, <laughs> so, but the, um, you know, like we, the idea came about this spring when everybody started live streaming all sorts of things, and it was just kind of uh, utter chaos. And um, so putting everything into an, an organized uh, space on the web um, for that people can tune into at the specific time, trying to recreate the the uh, the basic idea of a music venue in a in a web space. Currently, it, it exists as a as a group on Facebook that you have to join to watch the show. But we plan on changing the format of that um, relatively soon here. But that's that's what it exists as right now. I guess I might as well ask you, um, what's that format change you're hinting at? I hate supporting Facebook. <laughs> I hate using it, and I uh, I want to encourage people to to get off it. I only use it to um, to maintain a web presence for the you know, for the band, for the for the music business stuff. So um, we're we currently have a, a developer on our team, figuring out the way to for us to make our own our own live streaming service that will exist independently of of Facebook or Instagram or any of those things. There's a lot of little things to sort out with it, like tech stuff that I couldn't begin to understand. But um, the plan is to roll it out in the beginning of next year. But that's the plan is you know to you know, because you know, I'm, you know, an independent musician, so I, I would like to be, you know, independent of this of course, big evil corporation. <laughs> the technical aspect, how how does that work? How do you guys pull that off? As people, I mean, before this spring, I I hadn't live streamed anything, but now everyone has, um, you know, mobile phones that um that you know have you know video capabilities on them. That's the the advantage to starting off with using um, an established service like Facebook is that um, on the most basic level, you know, all someone has to do is uh, you know we, me and the other administrators, we at the set time we approve people to be able to go live in the group, much as if we were stage managing at a at a bar, and yeah, in, in the most basic ways they could just go live with their phone. And uh, there's definitely people. Some people are more. Um, tech-minded than others. Sometimes the, the stream is just a person on their couch with an acoustic guitar, which you know, has its own charms. But then um, other people that kind of care to get more into it, and this is increasing more and more over time, are kind of starting to get the logistics of you know, like multi-track audio with a full band going into broadcasting software. Um, so, But the beauty of it is that it can be both. And I like that aspect of it, that you don't have to be a tech genius to, to go live and have people, you know, theoretically anywhere in the world watch you. We're getting deeper and deeper into the pandemic and you know, further and further away from worry-free concerts we were familiar with. What sort of impact is that having on you at this point in time? Where's your emotional headspace? It's been a very confusing year. <laughs> this, I, I basically pulled uh, a lucky card out of the deck, so to speak, in that this came along, COVID came along at a time where I wasn't planning to be on tour. Just circumstantially, it was like, you know, in the plurals, it was, you know, our, our drummer had, you know, had a baby last summer. So, you know, that band wasn't planning to tour right away and then blah, blah, blah. So 
Um, I'm really, really thankful that I wasn't counting on touring to be my income this year, which I have for many of the last previous, you know, seven, eight years. I started teaching music, so, <laughs> but but that has been um, affected as well. But um, been, you know, the center of my entire uh, social life since I was like a young teenager. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, it's been, it's been a struggle with stressful um and uh anxiety inducing <laughs> in a lot of ways but kind of what has made it okay is people doing things like you know live stream shows what do you think about the um really small scale shows that have happened just a handful of people at the avenue I, I participated in a couple of little things over the summer um the plurals played an outdoor show a replay um when for like the two weeks or whatever they did the shows there um and um and and that was great because you know, it was it was open air it was summertime and so no one felt um no one really felt you know seemed like too nervous it was like okay this is a safe way to do this and um just but just the idea of being able to actually get the community together you know you know some you know some people and just enjoy some music worry free um that is absolutely worth it any way you can make that happen um but now you know with Indoor concerts, you know, I don't know that um, it can really be done uh, ethically. Um, I, I did a couple um, really low-key things at the Avenue behind, behind the barrier in, in September, um, playing vinyl one night and playing uh, acoustic stuff the, the other night. Um, and in terms of just kind of reinforcing um, habits, it felt really good. Um, but... Um, it's very much just like a personal thing. So there's no, you know, if you're looking at it from like a bottom line perspective, it's absolutely not worth it. <laughs> For the fans, you know, what what should they do right now? How could they support what you're doing with Best Friends Club? Um, how could they support the uh, local bands that you work with? I mean, the best thing for people to do is in, engage with, you know, the, um, you know, commenting on commenting on performances when they have just like those little. Little reinforcements go go a long way when you're awkwardly sitting in front of a, a laptop or whatever. Um, <laughs> so you know, just in, in in a short term sense, like you know, dro- dropping a you know a quick comment like, "Hey, sounds good." You know, glad you know, I'm happy you're performing. <laughs> that that goes a long way. But um, uh, long term, you know, I'd say um, going going to the the G, you know, in my case, uh, almost everything I do is on uh, GTG Records Bandcamp. But going to the people's Bandcamp pages and you know buying the downloads and pre-ordering the vinyl that's been delayed for a year and um, uh, you know donating um, wh- where you can because you know uh, a lot of us if we weren't depending entirely on music we certainly were supplementing our um, our life our livelihoods with um, you know with with merch sales and and everything so um, I, I view it all as um, you know the the show is um you know in in general you know the show is our kind of to get people interested in in the records because the records are the things that last forever so you know the, it's the same with the live stream stuff you know it's like you know not, it's not as fun as being um you know in the in the crowded bar uh singing along but uh, it's still a little way to kind of get uh some of the live experience and then hopefully in turn pick up a record or um you know Add add something to your playlist or whatever, but that's what I think. What were some of the more uh, memorable live 
the very first show we did at the beginning of July was also like the debut of me of my me premiering my 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 latest um, endeavor, which is the Wild Honey Collective, um, kind of a more like folk and classic country influenced project. So that was a great sort of nerve wracking in a fun way night because we were going trying this new thing and hoping people would check it out and also like debuting a new project <laughs> that was definitely a memorable one so yeah you know mike your uh, participation was great um getting some of the um i'm a big you know, i have a lot of friends out in california from touring and i'm a big fan of the recess records label and the various bands involved there so um getting a couple people from that label uh we had a, a coma twins which is sean cole from uh toys that kill and um, other bands um he getting them to play was was great you know that's just a cool aspect getting people from all over the country to participate at the same time and um and then just you know seeing some of my other friends from elsewhere like um shannon from band uh, erotic novels also out in the east coast you know they, they did a great set and really just kind of any time that i just see people commenting and interacting and then like noticing something like oh this you know random person from grand ledge that i know is watching this person that's you know streaming live from from Florida, it's just like, oh, cool! Like, you know, this never would have happened otherwise. So those little moments are are very enjoyable and kind of reinforce the whole idea. Thanks, Skyler. If you want to know more, you can search Facebook for Best Friends Club, a no-show space. Well, we're near the end for this week. Before we go, though, Rich Tupica will take us for another stroll down Michigan's musical memory lane. Thanks, though, uh, first to Skylar Ashley for producing this week's show. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz.